Are you recording right now? No, not not at all. Hello and welcome to the Bowie Book Club. Uh, my name is Greg. I'm and, Christian. And uh, we've been a book club for uh, about a decade now. Um, we've been, yeah, meeting up every couple weeks to drink and gossip and pretend to read a book. Well, uh, we read the book to uh, pretend to talk about the book. Yeah, we, we end up not talking about the book. Um, but uh, this year when you know the sad passing of David Bowie um, led to a renewed interest in his list of his hundred favorite books um, got us actually excited about reading and talking about actual books. So we met up a few weeks ago and randomly and sort of drunkenly um, picked a list of 12 books to read this year. Um, and we're going to try to record a podcast once a month to talk about them. The first one that came up was uh, A Clockwork Orange, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, but I do believe that some disclaimers are in order. <laughs> While we don't intend any spoilers, spoilers will happen. Yes. Um, and uh, I don't know if we need the employer thing. <laughs> <laughs> Considering that both of us are employed, I think we probably should do that. <laughs> our opinions do not reflect the opinion of our employers, our owners, the Bowie estate, or sometimes ourselves. Uh, I think most of the time ourselves. Um. So you can tell that I'm recording because I'm talking in my to- in my actual recording voice. <laughs> so so. Uh, you look like Ira Glass when you talk in that microphone. Shut up! <laughs> um, this- there will never be a picture of me published on this website. <laughs> um, this today we're talking about a Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. 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 Uh, we should have done a little more research on that before. Let's go with Burgess for now. So I think more people know it by the movie. Right, than yeah. The book. Um everyone knows what Alex looks like from from the movie or from the t-shirt based on the movie. I couldn't help but yeah. Right. <laughs> I saw the t-shirt based on the movie. Um I couldn't help but see him. Yeah, yeah, and I think that says something about the movie that those images have become so iconic, but it actually does um, when you first see the Droogs, um, and for people who haven't read the book, it's in a partially made up language based on Russian. So Alex is the main character, um, and his friends he refers to as his Droogs or Oh My Brothers in this sort of archaic slang. Um, and Droogs is Russian for friends. Um, so everyone knows what a Droog is, or lots of people do, mostly from the movie. But when you see, you know, when, when, in reading the descriptions of the Drugs, it's hard not to picture the movie because it captures it so perfectly. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I just want to jump in already. And, and I mean, we all know that the book and the movie are always different. Right. But this right. was particularly different because it was missing the whole end. Like the whole last chapter was not present. So while we know the movie more than we know the book, they're quite different. Yeah. And, and if I, um, the intro to the edition, I think, I think we both read, Mm -hmm. um, talks about how the original English version of the book has an extra chapter. 
Um, and both the American version and the movie version cut off a little bit earlier in a much more sort of provocative way. Um, and maybe maybe we should talk, you know, kind of talk a little bit about the plot, even though it does seem like everyone knows what that is, too. Mm. I mean, plot such as it is. Um, so Alex and his droogs are... Uh, we can't swear, can we? Of course we can fucking swear. <laughs> Alex and his droogs are a bunch of asshole kids. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, like, sociopathic like childhood. Yeah. yeah, which is kind of terrifying. Especially terrifying because a lot of people that I talked to about this book, they re- refer to it as like, oh, it was influential, like J.D. Salinger, Catcher in the Rye, you know, about childhood. And I read it when I was in high school, which is kind of terrifying because it's just about violence. These kids just do the most horrific things to adults. other people yeah to uh, just... yeah adults and other kids too and so the first burgess created it in three sections of seven chapters each to equal 21 which would be the age that uh, someone would ideally become an adult but yeah. these kids are not adults they they have no consequences for their actions so the first half they just brutalize people and, for fun right right that's their entertainment and if you you know from reading books like among the thugs by bill buford i think his name was the book about soccer hooligans in england it's it's a very similar kind of book where you're just drawn into this world of just indiscriminate violence and and how it, it's 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 sort of meaningless to the people who are participating in it. it's just they're they're distant from like the consequences of it um there, there is this sort of like this is how some people think, you know, mm-hmm. or how how someone of that age might think, and I, and I think it was interesting that um, you saw the movie as a teenager, mm-hmm. and I read the book as a teenager originally, and I definitely didn't think of the violence as being anything other than sort of movie violence. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like where where it's just part of the, it's just part of the world. And and I didn't have any empathy for the characters really who were being attacked. Being attacked, yeah. Or I just didn't think about it. And now reading it again, I'm more on the side of like the old guy with the books about crystals or whatever. Like that's me. Like crystallography. I'm the, yeah, crystallography. Yeah. Like I'm the guy who's going to get beat up, and suddenly now I feel different about it. You know what I mean? Um, hmm. So there is because clearly, you're on the other side. Yeah. Of it, yeah. There's clearly this divide between the the kids, Alex and those kids and the adults in that world who are all kind of pictured as either um, manipulative politicians or completely ineffectual, just sort of robots like his parents or like the old, the old women at the bar or the old people at the library who are trying to beat him up and and not doing a very good job of it, even if he can't fight back. Yeah, he, the disaffected youth talking about all the adults just rabbiting away. Yeah. That they have no, there's no joy in their lives. Not that there's joy in his life of violence. I mean, they take pleasure in the violence, but it, it doesn't seem like it makes him particularly happy. What makes him happy is music. Right. And so there's that kind of strange dichotomy that he is this violent youth but he 
loves classical music. He knows his composers. He's just enchanted by Beethoven and Mendelssohn. And and he hates the pop music of the day, which is really va- vapid, vapid. I don't think I've ever said that vacuous? word. Out loud. Vacuous. Va- va- vapid? Va- va- <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to cut that part out. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I guess I wanted to ask whether Burgess wrote it for youth or for adults. Um, who would identify more with it? Yeah, and, and from, from what he says about the book, his sort of vicarious pleasure in that just sort of free expression of all those primal urges without any bounds at all um like he got a lot of pleasure himself out of writing that and kind of letting his imagination go into those really like sort of um which i want to talk about when we talk about bowie okay so that kind of yeah maybe (laughs) maybe we should we maybe we should jump into that like what do you think bowie got out of this or why you know why was it a favorite of his but I think that's the hardest. Well, I think we wait. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Let's jump back. The rest of the plot. So first section utter violence. Second yeah. section um is is in the favor of the state. So Alex is now um imprisoned for his crimes. But you begin to wonder whether or not the state as the um, powerful entity is any better than the right. young sociopathic hooligan that that the violence and um, sort of the the violence against Alex could be questioned as 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 bad as the violence that Alex caused other people. Um, so whether. Whether the good powers are really the good powers. It questions the good and evil. Who, right. Who's truly good and evil here? Then the third section makes that even worse. Um, it gets deeper into that rabbit hole of, of, of good and evil and the choices of good and evil. Because the people that are supposedly helping Alex after he was released from prison are actually using him as a pawn against the state. And... Actually, hate him and and would be equally as happy seeing him completely destroyed. So the ch- the the perpetuator of violence in the beginning becomes the victim of two different violent um, and established entities. entities. Yeah. So yeah. the state is violent against him, and then the people who are anti-state are violent violent against him. Right. And so he becomes a tool in their system. And neither of them see him or want him to have any free will. You know, what the state does is they condition the ability to make choices out of him. And then the anti-state people take advantage of that to use him for their own needs. Neither of them want him to be an individual because they. it seems like they don't believe that he is capable of making good choices at all. I mean, he hasn't shown any evidence of it, mm-hmm. um, but they, they want to take advantage of that. You know, in reading the book again, I'm wondering if that if that is what Burgess is trying to say all along, is that in order to have individuals with free will, you need to, and, and he takes it to a huge extreme, you need to allow for the fact that it takes 
takes time to kind of be able to make good decisions and, and develop empathy. Um, and if that's taken away, then we never actually do it. Yeah. We're just we, forced to choose good. Right, yeah. Actually choosing. Right. Right. And, and the, once he's released into the world, the first people he encounters are his old droogs who are now policemen who are, you know, as violent and they, they go and beat him up and leave him in a ditch. But given authority for violence. Yeah. And, yeah. So now. God, it's a depressing book. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would read this. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I guess, it's kind of disturbing that it was on David Bowie's list. I love David Bowie's list. It's so inspirational because it's books that a lot of them I hadn't read, a yeah. lot of them I hadn't heard of. And there's such a variety in it. Yeah. And that the first one we pick has this kind of dark, sinister um, heroism of the violent made me kind of curious about the White Duke yeah, and I, th- I think, like, a big appeal, and for every, like, punk rocker who read it, or, like, Metalhead was like, yeah, fuck the state, fuck the th- fuck authority, like, I want to let those primal instincts reign, you know, I'm tired of them being reined in by, by um, you know, by schools and churches and my parents and whatever. It is a very adolescent book, and every adolescent has those those kind of urges, those kind of tendencies, so it, it plays directly into that. And I think that what Burgess says about... Um, yeah, I, I really connected with his introduction that he, he didn't like the book himself. He doesn't know why it survives over all his other books that he likes better. They um, put more work into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he says that violence is what you do when you're young. And because you because you have a lot of energy, but you don't have the power to make it constructive. Yeah. Um, but that he, as an author, there there was that quote that he he says about he takes he takes pleasure in of the of in the violence, like out of proxy. That was kind of disturbing to think. He said he. He liked the raping and the ripping that he right. got to write about because as someone who polices himself and doesn't allow himself to do those things, he likes the idea of doing them. And, and Burgess is a Catholic, I think, I'm guessing, believes in the idea that humans are corrupt you know, at the root of their nature. So taking away agency and and external forces that's your natural instinct to to rape and pillage mm. which uh, I guess we could get into like it helps that you're like a white male that you get to do those things you yeah. know if you're on the other end of the um if you're a woman like you don't you don't necessarily get that that privilege of of saying well it's just me letting my it's my animal side yeah yeah mm-hmm so I think it's very much like a product of that time, too. Well, I mean, it came up last night when I was talking about this book that uh, video games meet a lot of the same needs. These first-person games where you're 
What is like the car one? Oh, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Oh my God, we sound like such old people. <laughs> video games are, they're going to kill the children. No, it's a, it's a way for people who police themselves in ordinary life to let off their animal nature to, to beat and steal and rob and... Is it is it the equivalent? I think um, it it could be, and I kind of think that's the key to what was appealing about it for for Bowie is that like, you know, he in a lot of ways he had that sort of, um, especially with the Ziggy Stardust persona, was very much the um, the pure rock urge, you know, where. Um, where there wasn't that sort of policing. It's sort of like the message was like, let yourself go, let your ideas, even, even to like, let your ideas about gender go, mm-hmm. um, you know, just be this pure, the pure essence of rock and roll is those primal origins. And, um, and you know, that's the appeal of it too, is that that first third of the book, which is probably, you know, the parts that people remember mm-hmm. and, you know, and I bet a lot of people quit, you know, halfway into the book just because like the first part was so compelling and then the rest of the book is just all consequences. Um, like the first third is like listening to like the Clash's first record, you know, you know, it's just pure drive <laughs> or, or like the Sex Pistols, you know, like it has that, yeah. that pure, it's just pure energy. Which would have been a big influence on Bowie and his life. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think we kind of see like, um, we see him as the thin white duke or, or like as the, the the serious moonlight guy or, you know, the more refined, more um, still. Empiric. Like, yeah, yeah. And a more kind of controlled sort of. Yeah, the Bowie from The Hunger, you know, uh, the very s- smartly dressed, very elegant, but still, you know, very captivating performer. And I think like um, in his early career, he moved personas a lot. He had a, and and some of like the early '70s stuff is like real, really a much rawer sound than we than we than we remember, you know, or or that his later career had. I realized right away when we started this that I needed to read a David Bowie biography. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like the questions that after reading all of this violence put in my head about who Bowie really was because I did have the the labyrinth (laughs) was I you know I I connected so much to the labyrinth and the hunger like these images of David Bowie but um and I have I've only just started a biography but yeah youth and I mean not even connected to reading about him in his particular situation um but the energy of youth yeah. Being destructive would have been a- appealing to any young man growing up in post-war London. And and I think like there's a lot of that in the music of the, around the Ziggy Stardust time, like he produced like Mott the Hoople's, like all the young dudes. I think he wrote it too, which is a very much that sort of anthemic sort of, um, almost not like a soccer chant kind of thing, but it has this, this sort of like the youth and the energy to it. And I think there's a lot of that. Um you know, leading into the punk era, which mm-hmm. was just all energy. Part of why I think people don't make it past the first part of this book as well is the language, which is what I think David Bowie yeah. really got out of this. Because yeah. the language, um, NADSAT? 
how do you say that? Nadzat? Let's go with that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, using Russian words, uh, actual Russian words in this slang, hooligan. That has a lot of the sort of Cockney rhyming slang, Mm -hmm. but also has this weird sort of antiquated sort of Shakespearean like rhythm to it. Yeah. I was talking with someone uh, who's much younger than me. See, I'm outing myself as old again. Um, <laughs> and he he was talking about how, you know, after he read the book, he, he would, like, every time he would see one of his friends, he'd go, oh, my brothers, which he says constantly throughout the yeah. book, which is such like a, um, such, uh, it's a phrase you're not going to say in modern speech at all. Mm-mm. But the language worked really well in the book because... It's all so understandable in context. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. he would even even refer to it. Um, he would tell you what he's saying in some of it. Let me let me see if I can find a, a passage. And and it, it comes like in uh, very occasionally where I think where he's he's reminded like oh wait you don't understand this speech so let me let me let you know what a Gulliver is. Mm-hmm. He says. I'll just get my platies, I said, at the stair foot, that is to say, clothes. And then I'll be idying off all of my Adinaki. I mean, my gratitude for all, but I have my own Jesney to live. Because, brothers, I want to get out of here real scory. And you, you get what that means, for the most part. You may have no idea. Well, he says, I'll just get my platies. That is to say clothes. So sometimes he introduces the word itself yeah. to you to let you know what it is. But then idying off, Adinaki, Jesney, Scory, all of these words have no actual meaning to us. But in the context of the phrase, you, you get what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it was something, I mean, Bowie used actual references to some of this language in some of his songs right yeah in um suffragette city suffragette city and more recently in black star album he uses it yeah yeah and i I think um i think that so we'd like to every episode pick a song um that we as through reading the book we think connects with what bowie thought of the book but I i think the song on black star is the one that um, really connected for both of us. Yeah. And partly because of the language that he uses, because he, he uses this nadsat. I know I'm not saying that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the song, okay, he, verse one, China so sound, so titty up this malachick say, part up mooj nanny velo sit round on Tuesday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what more needs to be said? So the language definitely feels like Burgess. And in that weird way that everyone has, has recognized with this Black Star album, that Bowie had a lot going on that he was kind of intentional about when yeah. he was making it. And, and it kind of circles back around to his youth. So some of what the book... Um, clockwork orange that must have spoken to him about his youth that he's kind of circling back around to in this album and and it shows that throughout his career like the nadsat language in the book was you know a a constant influence on him um and something yeah he returned to it on his very last record um and so i think maybe we should talk about um before we finish the the difference between the british version and the 
the American version. So in the end of the Burgess's original version, um, Alex starts to feel um, remorse for what he's done and actually want to settle down. And, and I think, I, I think that what he starts imagining is what it's like to have a kid that, looks like him or behaves like him and in some ways i think burgess is saying like the, the cycle just keeps going you know the the kid will end up being um seeing alex as the rabbiter with no joy in their lives and will you know will find violence in their own ways and grow out of it it's just a cycle and i always want to know when i'm reading something and particularly this because we're reading a, a list of books connected to a person like why did this person pick this book i want to know when he read it and which edition he read right but i don't know um but i think that if he'd been reading it in britain he would have read that last chapter so it would have had the optimism that that end of he can grow out of this violence on his own I guess the optimism, but also kind of that sad yeah. cycle, that eternal return. Right. Rather right. than in America where the publisher thought, this is kind of a sad, sorry tie-up. We can't just let it be tied up so easily that he suddenly changes his ways. He's ultimately evil, and we're going to keep him that way. So they right. cut that last chapter. Because it's he's much more appealing as an evil character. It's cynical, but, it, but it's true. You know, Alex is the the rapist is much more interesting than Alex as the sad rabbiter. It keeps our attention. Yeah. Yeah. Can't look away. But I really liked what, what Burgess said here in his introduction. And I'm just going to read a quick quote. By definition, a human being is endowed with free will. He can use his choice between good and evil. If he can only perform good or only perform evil, then he is a clockwork orange meaning that he has the appearance of an organism, lovely with color and juice, but is in fact only a clockwork toy to be wound up by God or the devil, or, since this is increasingly replacing both, the almighty state. And I, I think that that's the key to the book. That, that kind of says it all. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I think that's it for this episode. Um, you can find us at the bowiebookclub.com. Um, for episodes and show notes. Um, we're also at bowiebookclub.tumblr.com for notes and ephemera and photographs and audio stuff. All the random stuff that we're looking through to try to figure this out. Yep. And there'll be uh, links to the songs that we pick. Um, you can hear one of them playing right now. And uh, all sorts of other stuff. So uh, come visit us and check back in in about a month for the next episode where we will be reading song lines uh, by Bruce Chatwin by Bruce Chatwin such a departure yes different book it will be very different so uh, hope you tune in again and we'll talk to you soon why are you talking into the microphone then just to see if it works (laughs) There's no no other reason than that. (laughs)